Hello and welcome back to Everything in Potteration, where the internet can sometimes be too much. I'm Colin Sparling, and uh, yeah, working from home. I, I did that for a while. Now I'm just kind of at home. <laughs> I'm I'm Robert, and I'm an e-worker. E-hyphen, no, just e-worker, actually. Is that the cool name for it now? It's my cool name for it. He's not I'm an a- e-boy. He's not an e-girl. He's an e-worker. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a neat at the moment. I'm daily, and I'm a neat. Not an in E-neat. education, employment, or training, and also online. So an e-neat, an e-neat. I'm elite. Yeah, I'm surprised there isn't like some trendy headline like, uh, millennials are now the, the looking to e-working and or something, and they're ruining regular work. I don't know. Millennials ruin everything. <laughs> we're, we're ruining something. <laughs> yeah. For, first, it was Applebee's. Next, it's Office Spaces. That's what we're we we're have killing a them. Yeah, we're just on a, fucking, on a fucking tear <laughs> to ruin everything. Uh, so in case it wasn't evident, uh, we're going to be talking about teleworking today. I'm sure a lot of you listening to this are probably working from home as you're listening to this or you're looking for a job, uh, especially, you know, if you turned into our uh, job hunting video, you're going to know that that Daly and I are still hunting for work as as of this recording too. Um hunting so and gathering. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely feel yeah, you, you there. But using your spears and yeah and bows grunting yeah (laughs) job hunting would be so much more entertaining if that were the case just go out with a spear above my head oh we just just follow the hiring managers as they migrate across the tundra (laughs) (laughs) you know it's gotta be the thumbnail for this video (laughs) 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 just a caveman just like chasing down just like this is my spear. It's called LinkedIn. <laughs> Just gonna throw it directly at the caribou. You know, now I'm imagining like a Steve Irwin video, like, and that right there, that's the illustrious job out in the wild. This one has a 401k. Oh, look at that big fucker over there. That's a pension. Unlimited PTO. What a beauty. <laughs> look at God. all those bennies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, minimum outside the city. You're not gonna get minimum wage. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. Um, but we do have some housekeeping things to get out of the way before we get into uh the meat of today's episode. Uh so we have actually a couple things. So a few weeks back, uh, we did an episode on the six days in Fallujah controversy, uh, where Peter Tampty, which we still haven't decided on how to pronounce that name. Uh Tempting PT. There we go. Made all those uh controversial sort of statements regarding his game and how He's not going for something political. He's trying to make it non-political with the whole battle of Fallujah and things like that and reviving the six days in Fallujah game that's going to retell the tale of different soldiers' experiences in the battle of Fallujah. Um, well, uh, as of maybe, so, I mean, it was sometime earlier last week, maybe like three or four days ago, uh, developer Victura uh, the released this, or I'm sorry, yeah, you're right. Uh, the, I can't remember the name of the developer, but I know... The publisher is Victura. Um, Highwire. Sta- Highwire. Highwire is a developer. Victura is the publisher. Victura, the publisher, released a statement about Six Days in Fallujah saying, We understand the events recreated in Six Days in Fallujah are inseparable from politics. Here's how the game gives voice to a variety of perspectives. The stories in Six Days in Fallujah are told through gameplay and documentary footage featuring service members and civilians with diverse experiences and opinions about the Iraq War. So far, 26 Iraqi civilians and dozens of service members have shared the most difficult moments of their lives with us, so we can share them with you in their words. 
The documentary segments discuss many t uh, tough topics, including the events and political decisions that led to the Fallujah battles, as well as their aftermath. While we do not allow players to use white phosphorus as a weapon during gameplay, its use is described during the documentary segments. During gameplay, huh. players will participate in stories that are given context through the documentary segments. Each mission challenges players to solve real military and civilian scenarios from the battle interactively, offering a perspective into urban warfare not possible through any other media. We believe the stories of this generation and uh, generation sacrifices, excuse me, deserve to be told by the Marines, soldiers, and civilians who were there. We trust you will find the game like the events and it re <clears throat> excuse me, like the events it recreates to be complex. Interesting. So remember when PT said, hey, none of the soldiers we talked to mentioned white phosphorus. And now Victor is saying, actually, they did mention white phosphorus. And it's mm. in the game. Hmm. These are going to be segments mm. in the game. Yeah. I don't know. Over Overall, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I think I'm I'm happy that they're finally saying something about it and recognizing, oh, wait, hey, a depiction of a real war is inherently political. Um, now, my worry is, is it just going to be like who America, American sacrifices good or is it going to be like a tragic soldier story? Probably a mix of both. And at least that worry isn't rooted in too much rewriting of history. You know, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to have a skew, but it's not so skewed as to kind of imply that this war was the the correct action like there was no there's mm. no argument that this war should have happened at least i hope yeah. that that's what they're saying yeah like maybe um i i thought it was interesting that they said you know there's there's diverse amounts of opinions from the people who were actually involved and maybe there's going to be some people that are like yeah this was justified and then other people like maybe the civilians that were there are gonna be like no nah, this shouldn't have happened yeah and I'm glad that they released this statement to sort of clarify these things. Uh, I can only imagine behind the scenes, the uh, publisher wasn't too happy to see Peter Tamp give all these these sort of uh, statements about the game. I mean, uh, he's the CEO, though, right? Of Highwire, right? Mm, of Victura. He's, he? he's the founder of the publisher. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I wonder how that conversation went internally, that's, that's where my... it's like, hey, so your comments have become what the game is about, and we need to maybe set that straight as to what the game is actually about. Yeah, that's my point. I think I'm, I'm imagining some really heated mission or meetings after his statements came out with <laughs> it's him and other people are probably not happy um, or other people weren't happy with him rather about mm -hmm. this whole controversy. Because now it's kind of just being associated with the identity of the game. Um, I've I've also seen people talk about how this is like a calculated, like PR move in order to get eyes on the game too. Mm. So, but that that's that's more of a theory more than anything else. A but game theory. A game theory. Thanks, Matt Pat. Yeah. Uh. So I don't know if it that's that's the way this is swinging, but I I honestly in this day and age I can almost believe it. Yeah, I mean, it does feel a little bit conspiratorial. And I've also seen people say, well, that's too little too late. You already said what you're going to say. And and, you know, I can sympathize with that because, yeah, like the things Pete said are pretty they can easily rub you the wrong way, especially if you have more personal connections to the Iraq war. Right. Mm -hmm. um, at, at this point, though, I'm just like thinking, you know, he shouldn't have said that in the first place, but I'd rather the publishers acknowledge 
that what they said was, you know, problematic rather than not acknowledging it at all and then pushing forward to their next big mm. gameplay trailer or, you know, whatever, whatever their next big marketing push is going to be. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, definitely think some heating heated me. I mean, because this just goes back on basically a lot of the stuff that he said in a lot of different ways, mm. you know, um, and so there, there was definitely some very heated meetings going on where they're just like dude you can't say that you PT, cannot say come that. on man yeah um so uh this game's gonna probably sell well when it comes out just because there's such a, a mystique surrounding it i don't know just controversy uh so i don't know whatever remains to be seen but as the game gets closer to releasing we'll keep you updated about how people feel about it and uh what happens there it's still slated to release this year so mm. we'll, we'll see if that happens uh Next for housekeeping stuff, we're going to go back to our J.K. Rowling video that I believe was two episodes ago. Troy Leavitt, the head developer of Hogwarts Legacy, uh, that's coming out via uh, Avalanche Games. Hold, hold on, we should we should clarify he's not the head developer. No. We did clarify it last episode. You're right, well, but you're right. You're right. He, he was not, a, in fact, the head developer, which is yeah. he explicitly said that a lot of outlets got wrong. So he was the senior producer, I should say, on Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, which is av at Avalanche Studios being published by WB Games. Uh, Troy Leavitt, the senior, the senior producer, he has left Avalanche. Uh, left and this it. happened, yes, only like only about a week ago. Uh, and as such, has released a video on his YouTube channel uh, regarding the circumstances in which he left and what he's going to do moving forward and talking about how there was an attempted cancellation on him. Uh, so his video that he released just, uh, I don't even know where to start guys. I'm going to be honest. I don't even know where to start with I, this. I was surprised. Like the, I was when he tweeted, like, I'm going to have a video out about why yeah. I left. And it's probably not for the reasons why you think. And it wasn't, it was like, I have some family stuff and I, I do I want to say I predicted, I predicted that you did. It, I did. So I'm, I am profit now. It does. It does kind of make, I guess, the people like criticizing him or suggesting that he left because like you can have trans characters in uh, Hogwarts legacies. Like it makes us seem like jerks where it's like I had some family issues I needed to attend to and I'm going to have to continue to attend to them. So I moved states. I got married um, and I'm just going to focus on myself. And it's like, just, OK, fine. That's that's cool. But then he also tacks on like there's a lot of inaccurate articles going around about me and they had nothing to do with any of this. But it just sucks that it happened to me. Mm -hmm. Is what I got out of his uh his PowerPoint, his Slytherin themed PowerPoint presentation. Yep. And you know, I I do think you know, he has some points where I'm like, yes, I understand where you're coming from. Like he he used that whole lead designer versus senior producer thing um to basically say, well, all games journalists didn't do their homework and they're all bad and this is all propaganda, not news. When I mean, you know, an inaccurate fact doesn't equate to propaganda it needs it's a, a powerful word dude <laughs> yeah and you know yeah. i get where he's coming from it feels like a the games media has a pitchfork and has pitchforks and torches ready to get him you know and that's why they're trying yeah. to push this narrative um and 
I, I can empathize with him because I'm sure he's feeling pretty attacked, especially amid whatever family issue is going on. You know, he didn't dive into it, but he alluded to the fact that it was getting worse. So whatever it is, I hope he can find peace or that things get better. Right. But it does feel like it, it feels very reminiscent of what a lot of people who get canceled try to say, where instead of owning up to some of their. Um, I don't want to say problematic opinions because that sounds very thought policy, but, you know, opinions that people disagree with. Right. Instead of owning up to the fact he shifts the blame onto them for witch hunting him. You know, it'd be like a murderer saying, why are the police chasing me like they're witch hunting me as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, admitting to the fact that they did a crime. Yeah. Not Which that I'm saying he, he didn't do he a has, crime. He a, does not killed yeah. anyone that we know that we know of. No, mm -hmm. yeah. but um, genuinely, um, it, it did seem uh, I again. Yeah, I sympathize with him on some things, but uh, he really danced around, I guess, like the idea of uh, like personal responsibility and like if you have thumbnails the way that you do on your channel you you got to realize people are going to associate you with the accompanying movements that have a lot of similar thumbnails about Anita Sarkeesian ruining games etc um yeah. and i guess it it didn't satisfy me as far as um him kind of like not taking responsibility for that and just being mm. like well if you actually watch my videos you'll know that i'm not you know one of these like alt-right misogynists and it's like okay sure but your video the, the thumbnails my dude um and yeah. just the overall tone is very suggestive yeah, like, of that movement what what kind of message are you sending from you know what i'm saying i mean you, go, you scroll through those videos and that and the headlines are very clickbaity the very like get trying to like get a rise out of people and you'll when you watch the videos like he's making a lot of arguments some of them are like are hyperbolic some of them are 100 come from a place of privilege um which can can be dangerous in and of itself however i, I mean there's there's nothing when it comes down to the like a lot of the stuff he talks about is yes some of it is misguided but as long as the dude hasn't done anything to hurt anyone or anything like that I, I whether or not he deserves to be canceled is a whole other issue you yeah. know what i'm saying like saying whether or not someone has should you know get their job taken away get you know lose their lose their career over over something that they might not have a great point of view on or, or a lot of people disagree with uh that, that gets a little hairy um yeah and i will say too i mean i know in the harry potter episode we did or the jk rowling episode we did uh we did watch some of um troy's videos to actually get an understanding of him a little bit because i think mm -hmm. one of his major points that he made in his most recent video is that he felt like most of the games journalists out there who reported on his situation didn't really watch the videos they just kind of saw the titles and then made inferences and started pegging him as yeah. alt-right anti-feminist bigot etc right and yeah after seeing those three videos that we saw i agree that i wouldn't call him like anti-feminist or i wouldn't call him alt-right but I do still fundamentally disagree with his um, his thoughts on Gamergate and how it's just about journalism ethics, which, OK, sure. But that's yeah. like that's sweeping so many other problematic things about the movement under the rug. And when you do that, you're kind of gaslighting everyone. And that's not great. Um, yeah. 
but I, I will at least for his defense say, you know, we, we do podcasts, right? And I'm sure if you listen to a five minute clip of any of us in a random podcast, it could come off as problematic without the right context. Right. And even sure. then it's an ongoing journey. Like episode one, Robert isn't the same as episode 25, Robert, and same for mm. you two, right? Like we all right. change and keep learning. So I'm sure that even though we saw three videos of his, there's a whole library of knowledge of his thoughts and opinions that we're still missing out on. So I want to at least give him the benefit of the doubt. It It's still just a little hard to argue out of what his holistic YouTube channel can look like. Yeah. Sure. It, it, it's not a good look, I guess, is just like a cursory scroll through. Not a good look. I will say... Uh, his book that he's working on looks great. I would read that. It looked mm -hmm. really good. He talked about at the end of his video, that's his uh, retirement project. Um, it's this fantasy novel called um, In a White Shroud, Shrouded in White, something like that. Clo cloaked in, cloaked in cloak? white. Cloaked in white, I want to say. Um, looks good. Looks yeah. good, though. I thought it was a little strange that he was kind of like promoting his book. I was just like, we're just straight up plugging his book right now. Um, but it, I, it, I don't know. it seemed it, like it was meant to be more of an internal thing. Like, yeah, I mean, it did say to my to my friends at Avalanche. To be fair, yeah, just kind of kind of felt a little a little weird. I really think though that th this kind of opens up the conversation around, uh, like canceling people and like who should and or should not be canceled gets into that whole thing because we can't go around just canceling every single person that has like a misguided or worrisome point of view on uncertain issues. You know what I'm saying? Because we're all then, canceled. Yeah. Then, then a lot of people are going to be canceled. And what happens when you cancel people, a lot of people do double down or they become. E yeah. Or then they, they become even more radicalized. Like the Gina Carrera thing with the, the Mandalorian. She now she got like picked up by Ben Shapiro and apparently and the, he does movies now. But like that, that's what I'm saying, though, is like, oh, you've been sh essentially shunned by, you know, the, the liberals and whatever the, the general people, maybe the, the, the liberal public, whatever, for holding these points of views. Now we're going to just, you know, come under my wing and we're going to radicalize you further, you know, mm -hmm. just reinforce these these problematic points of views you may have where really the solution is, is to bring those people like, hey, I don't agree with that. Here's why. Let's have a conversation. And the reason why his point of views and the way he structures his like the way he talks about these things in his videos just comes it, it comes across as like I'm putting myself up for debate, but I'm not really doing that. Like is arguing in bad faith and like kind of just like I'm gonna it, it almost feels like Ben Shapiro in that sense too, where it's like I'm gonna listen, like I'll hear your point of view, but I'm gonna like turn it around on you to make you look stupid rather than hear you like actually have a debate and mm -hmm. have malleable points of views that can actually be changed yeah yeah i think overall it's it's gonna be i mean i think he was fighting an uphill battle right because i think yeah. we all walk in with preconceptions and mm. yeah when the preconception is oh he is working on a harry potter game oh the creator of harry potter is very transphobic and has a lot of pretty radical views oh the this guy made some videos that criticize Anita Sarkeesian. It it's yeah. very set up to make it really easy to jump to the conclusion that oh sure. Troy also has problematic views, right? 
Yeah. Um, so that kind of sucks to suck. Um, you know, that, that is maybe a problem that needs to be discussed or figured out. But sure. I also think that maybe that's, that's a bigger, like getting into cancel culture and all that would be a bigger topic in and of itself. Sure. For us to dive into. Yeah. Yeah. Troy, I think it just kind of come on, on the podcast. Yeah, oh come God. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly, no, I would, I would love to talk to him. I would love to, I would love to have him on and just have a conversation. Um, but I think, I think my thoughts in the situation can be summed up in, in the video that he talks about, like, uh, Gamergate and how there's more women working in the games industry now. Like he kind of had that point, right? It's like, Oh no, like there's no way game, you know, games can be misogynistic or, or the games industry rather, because there's, you know, 40 to 50% of the population in the games industry is women, mm. you know, that's just ex- it's extremely hyperbolic is, and just ignores the fact is, that is a lot ladies, of, but yeah, but we got some misogyny going on. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of studio cultures where, where there was a lot of misogyny going on, you know, that yeah. just because there's more people doesn't negate the issue. That's just a very hyperbolic way of looking at things. I mean, it's, just, it's very absolutist because here's this yeah. one good thing. The rest of it's good, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it comes across as like, oh, I haven't seen it. Therefore, it doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, mm. um, and so he just needs to, it could just be simply solved by opening himself up and listening to others. And and if he's going to talk about a hot button issue like that, like talk to the people that either are going through the experiences or know more than him, mm. you know, so. Yeah, that's that's basically that's basically how I feel about it. Um, that's okay, where no we th- leave, leave it. Yeah, leave. we're. Leave, leave I, it alone. So many just oh easy God. puns. I, not, I really appreciate I that. that his name is that. It's so easy. <laughs> All right. And lastly, for housekeeping, uh, next episode, we are talking about Justice League, the Snyder Cut, the ill-fated cut that we never thought was going to be released is coming out for some reason. Um, and it's going to be four hours long. And we are going to spoil the hell out of it for you guys. So uh, if you plan on listening to that episode, would highly recommend watching the uh, the spoiler cast unless you just want us to suffer through it for you and we will regale you with what you missed out on. We're going to throw in some totally false things, though. And unless you've watched the movie, you, you won't, won't know that that one time when Joker said we live in a society and then did it kickflip off the Batmobile. Is it real? Is it not? You're not going to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. So definitely watch that movie if you want kind of more background on the episode. I, I I'm not sure how much we're just going to be into like, wasn't it cool when they did this and wasn't it cool when they did that and et cetera. I think I mean, there's like a much larger story here in terms of like Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon, Hollywood culture, Zack Snyder culture, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, there's a brand. There'll be a lot of meaty discussion there, I think. Yeah, and as someone Join who hasn't us. seen the original or hardly any DC movies, uh, this this is going to be interesting for me personally. Um, so if you need a voice of an absolute noob, uh, you have that to look forward to. Um, He's pure. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I'm a pure untainted Untouched. Boy. I've seen Man of Steel, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman. That's about it. Uh, okay, what do you say, guys? We talk about teleworking. Teleworking. We're teleworking right now. That's We're, what is happening. Yes. yes. This, this would be this this would fall under teleworking so i've done it a little bit daily's done it a little bit robert is still doing it at the moment how do we feel about teleworking it's the future 
Stop getting your head out of your ass. It's, it's the fucking future. Okay. <laughs> what if it's not the future? What if it's going back? No, it's not going backward. I can't. That's that's one thing I can't argue about teleworking. I really I really do see it becoming more prevalent. Um, I don't because like even pre pandemic, sometimes it was like, why do you have an office space? When you're like, you guys can work from home if you want. Like, just be sure to be here for like a weekly meeting and that's it. And it's like, that's a lot of overhead mm -hmm. to consider, um, especially for smaller companies or companies that can, again, largely work online. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm a very big proponent of teleworking at this point. I mean, I've I've done it a lot at my freelance gigs, right? And Daily, you have too. You're also yep. a freelance writer in your time. Um, those were all completely remote. Like I've never met some of my editors, you know, um, some of my writers I haven't, well, I guess I've met some of them via like zoom calls and stuff, but you know, it's not like we pass by the office every day and are like, Hey, did you have an onion for lunch? You know, et cetera. Like, um, just the whole onion, it, it, just whole, just crunch right into it. Like an apple. Mm. Um, yeah, we, don't, all. we don't talk to Bob anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because Bob the, the onion, onion man. <laughs> Fuck him. Uh, yeah. So, that I've been doing it for a while. And then my current, you know, my main job, my my marketing copywriting job, we've been teleworking since, believe it or not, since March of last year, for some reason, uh, March 2020. Hmm. So, you know, something happened there. We started working uh, remotely. Couldn't tell I, you I why. I wonder. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Hmm. But overall, it's it's been, I think, a very eye-opening experience. It was my first, like, big boy job doing teleworking. And it's... I mean, I'm liking it a lot. I'm sure there's growing pains, especially for people who are maybe a little less technically proficient, like with, sure. with computers and shit. Um, but it, it feels a lot like the future way to work. Yeah, so that that's that's just kind of it. I mean, the COVID basically caused us to fast forward a couple of years, expedited the whole process of teleworking become more of the norm because a People were already teleworking before the pandemic, and it w it's been p possible probably for a good, I don't know, I would say 10 years, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But now it's COVID just made us realize that, like, we don't need so much traffic on the road. We don't need to, like, hold down all of these offices, um, pay for them to run, pay for electricity, pay for all these desks and chairs and whatever else. We don't we don't need any of that. People can just work from home. They have laptops. And especially if a lot of their stuff is just, you know, banging out emails and writing anyway, like, why not mm -hmm. let them stay home? Less traffic on the roads. Yeah, it's just a yeah, it's kind of an awesome phenomenon that's that's being realized. And I don't think that a lot of companies will ever go back. A lot of them already said they won't after yeah. the pandemic, like basically big tech, Twitter, yeah, Facebook, big tech. Google, Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it should be said, I guess, like at the front of this podcast here is that there there are definitely jobs that can't be done um, no. from home and referencing a lot of white collar work. Yeah, it's it's kind of, um, a, I guess, a privilege now to be able to, especially in a pandemic when mm -hmm. it's dangerous to be outside, to be able to work from home. Um, not that that also doesn't come with its own cons, but it's it's a big pro, especially if you're, you know, uh, autoimmune compromised or uh just don't want to deal with it the yeah. outdoors 
Yeah, I, I will definitely make it's a very privileged position, right? Because if you're doing like manual labor or if you work in retail on the floor or like on the sales floor, it's really hard, if not impossible, to do those jobs remotely, right? So yeah, that that is a bit of a shame. So I think, you know, a lot of our discussion is going to be focusing more on those white collar office jobs. Um, I just hope it doesn't go unmissed that like, you know, there's there is some sympathy here for those who don't have the option because uh, it's it's a pretty nice option. It's a very and currently a very safe option, right? Yeah, which which is such a shame too, because a lot of uh people like in staff and stuff were were actually being cut from all kinds of blue collar jobs, especially at the beginning of pandemic, because you know, if you work in a blue collar job in say something like a factory, you have to work in close quarters in a lot of instances. So a lot of those pe- places had to shut down and people lost their jobs, which is a damn shame. But they're finding ways to open them back up now, thankfully, but it's it's still it's still tough out there. Um and the uh, COVID really hit at a time when it was turning into peak time, become a blue collar worker. I mean, if you wanted to train to be like an electrician or laying concrete, roofing, any sort of trade job that was exploding pre COVID, like it, it they, those jobs pay insanely well and you need minimal amount of schooling to get it done too. So that's not a whole lot of debt you got to go into. Um, So that that's, that's becoming extremely difficult. A reason why though, a lot of, our focus would be on white collar jobs uh, when it comes to teleworking and how that's changing is because it affects big cities a ton. A lot of the downtown centers of a lot of big cities, it's a lot of office space. It's a ton of, Mm. of, of headquarters for a lot of, a lot of tech companies, a lot of media companies, a lot of um, agencies, advertising uh, firms, things like that. Um, And a lot of that work can just be done remotely. So a lot of downtown areas are becoming, more akin to ghost towns because a lot of those people are just staying home. You don't need people in the office to do a lot of that work. It's just a lot of correspondence and, and communication. Um, and so uh, how that affects uh, places like big cities going forward is, is going to, it's going to change. It's going yeah. to be crazy. Significant. Yeah. Like I'm that, that's another reason where I think it's, it's another feather in the cap for teleworking is because most American cities are built like, like ass that's a delicate way of putting it. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. They're like it's true. really bad. I think the only city in America that feels actually built for human beings is New York City. I'm not even saying that from experience. I've just like seen the subway map before, and that's like enough for me to kind of tell, okay, I can like I could visit New York and like not worry about Ubers or anything and get by, you know, because that's just how the city is. Public built. transportation, yeah. Yeah. Um most people in america especially office workers what they experience is i'm gonna live out in the suburbs get a house maybe build up a family maybe not but you know i'm gonna live out in the suburbs where it's quieter and then i have to commute like two hours a day like you know total like to and from the office it takes me an hour to get there and an hour to drive back and who knows if you'll find parking or maybe you pay three hundred dollars a month for a parking spot jesus yeah i remember parking (laughs) yeah just to like put your two-ton steel horse somewhere um so that all really sucks and that's such a weird way to do things especially when you think about how much geographic area that covers like if you work in downtown seattle but then you live out in redmond that's like a good 30 minute drive and that's before you factor in the fact that everyone else has to do that 30 minute drive so traffic right traffic whereas if there was a really good public transportation system in seattle some people would be driving some people would be using the subway or an expanded light rail of some kind and more people would be using buses right exactly 
but yeah cities aren't built that way no uh for instance like just logistically speaking um so i worked i worked for a job out of redmond right and getting to redmond from where i am right next to the greater seattle area would have taken me an hour and a half by bus and that's two different buses that doesn't even factor in for the wait time between buses assuming that they're close enough and scheduled for me to hop right on a bus um right after i get off the first one so right now that i mean the that is just one example of the infrastructure problems that you run into with public transport i i believe i think robert was actually watching a video about how Chicago's uh, city planning is a fucking mess when it comes to public transport because all of it just leads to the heart of the city or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so, instead of like being able to get around the city itself. Right. Um, and so it, it just is based on around the fact that, you know, we're using really 150 to, to 200-year-old city planning and maps um, that were built around the time this country was founded, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Now, like, I, I've heard notoriously boston is a fucking mess because of that yeah and could you imagine how great it would be to have the choice of let's say your job is teleworking right like you can telecommute to work so you can work literally from anywhere hawaii is kind of like doing that where they're saying hey if you can like if you want to work here if you want to get like an apartment here we'll cover the flight so you know, that that's the beauty of teleworking, right? Is as long as you're up at the right hours, you can work from anywhere. Um, so what this would mean, let's say you were a, a, let's pick a different city to pick on. Let's say you're a Boston, you work in Boston, right? Uh, and your office is in downtown Boston, but you're more of a, you're more of a suburb kind of girl. You know, you don't really like the big city. You kind of like cul-de-sacs and stuff. So you can live out in the suburb, but you don't have to worry about that one hour drive to get into downtown uh, Boston. And overall, your your happiness with your job and your contentment is probably going to shoot up. But alternatively, if you're a big city boy like me and you want to live in the cities where you can walk to, you know, five different restaurants of five different nationalities, rent doesn't have to be as stupidly expensive in the cities because right. that hot commodity of it's right next to work doesn't matter anymore. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And speaking of uh, as someone that's out in the boonies at the moment in the middle of Cornfield, USA, which I'm sure is actually a place. Um, I think so. Probably. It sounds I think it's like next it should be a place. Springfield. Yeah. There's a lot of Springfields also in the Midwest, but Midwest, um, it's a little soul crushing <laughs> working from home when you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't have a lot of... Uh, extracurriculars to go and pursue like uh pre-covid like your your you know friday night fun was like maybe driving an hour to the nearest city to go see a movie and have um dinner from a chain restaurant living on Uh, the edge aren't we yeah living on the edge like maybe having a walk around the local target uh if you're feeling bougie daring um not nah, dude so, in the midwest it's walmart all day yeah oh my god i've been i've been i don't think i would go back to walmart after the finer things in life experiencing those but like i've been back to walmart like tarjay exactly <laughs> yeah. but i've been back to walmart but yeah um it feels uh working from home can feel uh limited in that way of like if you don't if you're not able to you know um move somewhere that has uh 
you know, five different restaurants to check out on your lunch break or um, if you're not, if you don't particularly enjoy the view of the cornfields outside. Yeah. And I mean, that that's going to be that's there's a both a positive and a negative to teleworking in that sense, too, because obviously, if you work remotely, you'd be able to work pretty much anywhere that has a half decent Internet connection. You'd be able to work and live anywhere. Um the other thing is, though, is and this is one in the uh, the Bloomberg video about teleworking that I was watching. And it's one of those things that were it's it's obvious, but I never really give it the given it this much thought before. The reason why there's so many businesses, obviously, around downtown areas is because that's where the jobs are. People go where the jobs are. And when people go where the jobs are, that begets more jobs, because if you have these people all in, a, say, a downtown area working, there's going to be restaurants that are there to fill the need of the people that are working there and hungry. Right. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, you're going to need like other services like gyms. Right. Or, uh, I don't know, uh, fucking laundromats. Yeah. Any sort of service providers. Exactly. So people are going to go where the jobs are. And when those people go where the jobs are, more jobs will start showing up and popping up. People are going to open up businesses, you know? So what that means for city planning and what people and where people want to work is, is going to change, you know, because if, if you know, 90 percent of Seattle or at least 75 percent work from home, I mean, they're, they're going to start making office spaces either smaller or getting get, get rid of them completely. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be less of a reason for people to be downtown. Therefore, a lot of those surrounding businesses and services are going to be getting less business. You know, yeah. so what does that mean? Yeah, I think it's going to really diversify what it really means to be a city center versus what it really means to be like suburb, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking too of like the rural people because you're right, daily, like rural is also a thing I, I tend to forget about because the few nights I have spent it's in okay, rural It's okay, we areas, do too. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, internet out there in the boonies tends to really suck because the United States government or the state governments don't or haven't put much thought into infrastructure when it comes to building out the internet out there into the rural areas. And I understand that it's probably very expensive, which is why it hasn't really happened yet. But at the same time, look at a country like South Korea that has grown rapidly in the past 70 years since the Korean War ended, where the entire city, well, all of the cities and the connecting areas are built kind of on this this future forward backbone. Like internet in Korea is stupid. It's cheap and stupidly fast, you know, because the infrastructure was there for it. Here in America, the infrastructure is kind of there for it in the cities and it just diminishing returns the further out you get. Right. So that can make teleworking a bit of a uh, challenge. I have the unique experience of working for a rural ISP mm. and the amount of people like as um, at last spring, this time last year that were like, hey, I need Internet for the first time in my life was incredible. Like it, it really is amazing that there there's still a significant part of the country. And I think that we forget about this, um, especially as we've been dwelling in cities and we're millennials that are attached to our phones, etc. Don't realize that there's people that are able to function quite well without the internet. How um, the fuck? and have what? But, yeah, I know. 
for several for a long time maybe even their whole lives or just relied on and that's to say also the people that have relied on you know i I go into work to check my email i only have internet at work Mm -hmm. um as opposed to at home or like i don't have internet at home and but now my kids need to do their um you know zoom classes and their homework from home for the first time yeah i mean my grandparents on my dad's side have never had internet the entire lives their entire lives like my grandma doesn't even know how to use a mouse and keyboard at all you gotta tell her about all the porn she's missed out on yeah or the cat videos or the cat, vi- the cat or- videos <laughs> yeah because those are the only two things you have on the internet yeah, both porn of them, and cat videos both of them do have pussy though yeah and it's not like she's ever been dead set against the internet it's more so just like she never really felt a need i don't need it yeah Mm -hmm. felt a need for it to be part of their lives yeah yeah just i i so when i i mean i think about that and it's just now more than ever we're feeling the fact that we just do not have the the internet infrastructure in this country and logistically like robert was saying it's it's extremely hard we have first of all a gigantic country secondly this entire country runs the whole gamut when it comes to climate and biomes and things like that so laying wire down in nevada is probably going to be a lot more like across the desert is going to be a lot more difficult than running across san francisco for instance mm-hmm. you know? yeah, but good thing texas doesn't really ever have to worry about cold weather which is why their systems never fail ever yeah. Yeah. Ever. You think you think if uh they do get statewide internet, just better laying connection, they're gonna have like their own internet infrastructure too? There's I don't really the te- Texas yeah. net. <laughs> the tech the text net. Tex te- next. At, yeah. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't get more clever than that. Thank you. It's very it's very delicious. Um yeah, I I think it's it's gonna be that's going to be one of the biggest challenges, right? In terms of just getting the internet out there to as many people as possible. Cause I think that would right. open a lot of doors for people who live out, you know, in the boonies in the rural world. Right. right? And where there, they- there have been some grants, um, going through Congress that, um, have put aside, you know, uh, I think it was a uh, $200 million to, uh, give grants to rural ISPs. Mm-hmm. So there's it, COVID gave a kick in the pants that needed to happen in, that term right one one topic i did want to broach with you two here because i think this is a really common um you know a con of teleworking that people tend to not like even the most antisocial people i would say but there is an argument to be made where if you're teleworking monday to friday not eight days a week etc your levels of socialization just go way down because you because there is no you know random coffee break where you get to talk to jill you know, there is no. Uh, That's my mom. Yeah, it is. I do work with her. At, you, oh, you didn't right. know? Yeah. Oh. Um, you know, there, there's <laughs> no random water cooler moments. There's no hanging out for like five minutes after the meeting to just chat about whatever. Right. There's yeah. no easy. Um, oh, hey, the clock just hit five. It's Friday. You want to go to that bar? A little happy hour before the weekend. Right. That isn't as easy to do anymore in a teleworking world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say, as someone who spent uh, probably about seven, eight months teleworking, uh, it does t- take a toll on mental health. And and I mean, we are in a pandemic, so that doesn't exactly help things either. You can't, so you yeah. can't 
you know, you hardly ever have time to socialize with people inside, let alone outside, um, because that just doesn't exist right now. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it, if I'm being quite frank, like, yeah, it did take a noticeable toll on, mm-hmm. on my mental health. And that's something we have to think about going forward. Personally, I think it would work best for me if it was like, you know, you come into the office one or two days a week and then the rest is like teleworking because there's something to be said about team building with with people in person um, Mm -hmm. and just getting to know them and building a rapport, especially if it's something that you do have to work closely with others in order to complete like a project or uh, in order to get like, I don't know, approved for whatever you're working on and things like that. Mm. So that's just. It's just really, really hard in that in that sense, especially I'm sure in creative feels like making video games too. would that do require a lot of creative collaboration. I'm sure that's thrown under um, a wrench in things. And we see that because a lot of video games have gotten delayed because of COVID. Interesting thought. Did you guys know we liked video games? No. Uh, Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. But I I think I think the 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 best thing going forward is just giving people the choice Mm -hmm. that that's going to be most important. Yeah, I mean, I've seen studies that were done even pre-pandemic that have said that uh, worker job satisfaction tends to go up when companies allow for teleworking, mm-hmm. uh, while productivity remains the same, if not better, which is, mm-hmm. that's good to hear. Uh, I believe the company that I looked at that did that study is Connective Solutions, which is a, which they provide a really big backbone to like Adobe Creative Services and stuff. So I think they have a little bit of investment in um, a little little bit of making teleworking look good. Uh, but I guess I'm speaking from experience. I feel that too. Like I feel happier with my job that I, I guess currently don't have the choice. I have to work from tele- from home, but I, I like that. Right. Um, but if we take COVID out of this, cause Colin, I think you are right that COVID is playing a really big role in exacerbating that negative point about teleworking. Right. Because, yeah, you know, you could totally in a nice world where there isn't COVID, you know, finish up work and then you just call up your friends be like, hey, you want to go to a bar? Like, it's five o'clock, baby. Let's go to a bar, right? Because yeah, mm. that's, you know, you have the, ch- like, there's no worrying about, okay, I have to commute home, then I have to get ready, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you're already home. You can get ready from there, right? Right. Um, so I think that is something we're missing because of the pandemic. I think post-pandemic, when it's a lot easier for you to meet up with your friends, I think it's going to be easier to find those people in the office that you do jive with and then just make plans with them or maybe like in your team like if you work on like the design team or the marketing team or something you can just be like hey guys you want to go out for drinks like no pressure but like let's go meet at like this bar or this restaurant and just hang out Mm -hmm. yeah and i think i will say though logistically speaking in the future that might be a little bit more difficult because uh if we run into things where people are more likely to be teleworking and remote work, they can live anywhere. Yeah. So in that sense, like people on your team could be from, you know, I'm from Seattle, but this person's living in New York mm-hmm. and, you know, getting, getting those five o'clock drinks is going to be a lot, obviously a lot more difficult that way. Um, yeah. So that that's, that's the flip side of that issue too. Um, yeah. I think that's going to open up like different business sectors the same way, like, like video games, I think more people might get into that where it's just like, oh, do you want to play a couple rounds of whatever, um, hop on Discord, etc. Sure. And also, I noticed that a lot of streaming services have, um, rather than a third party do it, have adopted internally the ability to like watch with other people watch online. Party. 
watch parties yeah so um i know that uh disney plus has done that i think hulu might have a plug-in automatically for that so that could also be a thing i think also amazon prime does it now and if you're a twitch streamer you can like twitch stream amazon prime a watch party which that's pretty cool too that's pretty cool yeah, there's cool. I, I think there there's going to be solutions um, for that kind of uh, disconnect as far as like, I would like to hang out with you, but um, I am in Indiana and you guys are in Seattle. So um, I think there will be solutions like that. But um, but but yeah, there is there is definitely a con there as far as like you don't have that. Hey, did you see that local thing that happened? It's like, no, I hey, didn't. Hey. I live in sao paulo <laughs> did, did you see fucking bob in the break just munching on an onion because that's a thing yeah <laughs> actually bob I heard, I, I is think, eating I, onions bob can eat onions in peace now wait, because he doesn't have to go bob, into the he, office i thought he switched to shallots a long time ago oh yeah he, he wants to Still cut the carbs onion. a bit yeah. <laughs> i heard the calories he wants to cut down on cows so he's going for smaller onions yes um, <laughs> I will say another solution too in the future. I've seen this mentioned around. This was definitely before COVID times, but uh, it might just be being in Seattle because it's you know a yuppie liberal paradise and etc. Um, but there are like co-working spaces now. I think is what they're mm-hmm. called, right? Mm-hmm. Where you just it's like an office, but for ev- anyone, everyone. Um, you could also just call them cafes without the coffee. But you could also just go to cafes, right? There's also I, coffee there. Yeah, yeah, but you don't get like a barista. Um, but <gasps> that's what they need to do. Yeah, then then <laughs> the barista they, co-works with you. <laughs> then they just reverse engineer the cafe. Um, ah. Yeah, but that's what I did uh, when I was doing teleworking pre-pandemic is I'd actually use um, cafes as like my second office just as like a nice change of scenery but also just moment to be around people and just kind of like talk to people every now and then. Like, like I, I didn't make any lifelong friends there, but it was still like, you know, I, I, you could tell when someone else is also working and there's just that kind of vibe, you know, you vibe with them mm, a little bit. Sure. Um, I think that is something that moving forward in the post pandemic world will be a thing again. I hope that, you know, we can all work remotely separately in cafes in co-working spaces you know yeah, yeah we're social creatures yeah exactly i mean yeah we you can only supplement it so much you know there's no real supplement for face-to-face interaction at the end of the day unfortunately um <clears throat> and oh god hey i on a side note you guys remember we work remember that nope <laughs> nope <laughs> i I will say, though, I, I am very much looking forward to the days like as much as I am a huge proponent of teleworking, um, I am looking forward to the days where you can like see coworkers again, like face to face. Right. Because um, otherwise you start getting really weird um, team bonding exercises via uh-huh. via Internet that no. can, like I've, I've heard of one. Uh, it, it It's just it's really just so stupid, but it's basically an escape room. But you all like zoom in. And you watch one person who is literally in the escape room with a GoPro on their head and you just kind of keep yelling at them to, to do things. Is this like, Twitch plays escape room? Yeah, it's kind of like that. But for for team building exercises, it's I guess that sounds terrible. Mm hmm. Oh, my God. Especially 
I, I the appeal of escape rooms is that you you're trapped. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're there. You're in there. You have to escape, but you're just yelling at one guy <laughs> to get out of there. I I'm this is like if if they made another season of The Office, this is 100 would be an episode. Oh yeah, like my oh, Michael yeah. just has a GoPro on his head and he's like, okay, you guys gotta tell me what to do. Oh no, no, it would be Dwight with a GoPro on his head oh, and then God, Michael totally telling would. everyone we have to keep yelling at Dwight to do a thing. Michael, it, sure, call me. <laughs> Genius. I so I will say that um, it's it's so interesting with the amount of people. I mean, people are already moving because they know their jobs are going to be permanently remote. Um, and so because of that, I think we're going to start seeing this is just a guess, but I think we're going to start seeing a lot of apartment listings and housing listings like listing available ISPs. For their areas too i think that would be mm. I, I know you can already search out that information um apart from those listings and things like that for the area but i think that's going to be a big selling point because you have i mean if you're going to be remote working you have to live in a place that has decent internet there's just no oh, like yeah. you can't get around it it has to be a place that has decent internet and if you're not living in a place like that i mean you're kind of screwed when it comes to remote working and on that note i actually do remember reading uh that housing and rental prices are jumping up in missoula montana of all places a lot mm. of people are moving out there uh and te- during teleworking covid times and uh because it's a nice rural ish place to live that it's beautiful usually doesn't cost too much and is in the middle of nature kind of like mountain town really pretty place to live and uh so yeah now those people are suffering Big jumps in prices, and they're kind of uh, pricing out the locals. So that's good. interesting. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's going to be some growing pains because you know capitalism inherently um, is well, bad. No. Well, it, it is inherently kind of kind of bad. Um, it it does reward people for price gouging, right? Because if there is an opportunity, if there there is demand and you have the supply, you can charge as much as you want as long as it mm-hmm. meets the demand. And right now the demand is high, which is leading to I can charge $2,000 a month for this one bed, one bath, right? And that yeah. kind of blows, but it's also incentivized. And that's what our capitalism forefathers would have wanted, I, I guess. How many yeah. fathers were there? Four? Just four? Four of them, yeah. Uh, George, George, Tommy. Ben. Benny. Ben. And Lincoln. He came, he came a little later. <laughs> he came a little bit later on. Do we, do we say, do we say John Adams? Okay. No, he's not. He doesn't. He's like a four uncle. Mm-hmm. I much prefer his brother, Sam. You know, because he made the beer. Same old oh, Adams. Oh, and he also wants you to join the army. Uncle Sam. Ah, ah yes. That uncle. Yes. Mm-hmm. We don't talk yeah. about him. <laughs> I, I think, though, this, this is such an interesting phenomenon because I think what's going to happen is I think, obviously, a lot of businesses are going to be moving out from town centers, like big town centers like Seattle, like San Francisco, like L.A., uh, those big West Coast cities for tech. And then on the East Coast, of course, like places like New York, um, just to kind of get away from how expensive everything is. and then. You're going to have smaller towns like like Missoula that are going to be going up in price. So I think we're going to hit like it's doing one of these like roller coastering, but then eventually it's going to even out mm-hmm. if we were to be on a graph. It's just going to kind of like be baseline. If you want to live 
in a town or city like this, this is how much it's going to cost. So prices here are going to come down where prices other like in other places are going to go up and we're going to meet in the middle somewhere. I don't know what kind of pricing that looks like, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of tough to say, right? I mean, I'm I'm no real estate agent. I don't I don't know what goes into valuations. Um, so I can't really speak from a point of authority with it. All I do know is I hope that it it does at least diversify where people will want to live as opposed to having to live somewhere for a work, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it really sucks. Like I um, have had always said in conversations that I would never want to work um, somewhere like Facebook. Obviously, there's some ethical qualms there, but also the fact that to live in like San Francisco to live in the Bay Area, you have your standards have to be lowered as far as uh, quality of life and how much space you have to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 impossible. The the price is there, um, even if you're being paid the big Facebook buku bucks. Um, whereas now with the idea of like you could just work from anywhere, you could be making the big buku bucks and then spending that on a much larger place in a place that is. Uh, largely less expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually came to this realization the other day because, of course, I'm still on the the job hunting train. Woohoo! Uh, but I came to the realization that you know you go on LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever, and you ch- you put in your search queries when it comes to jobs. You, I mean, there's a remote button now, right? So instead of searching jobs in just Seattle, Washington, that opens up this entire country, really, maybe yeah. even jobs beyond in that. Remote. When it comes to searching for jobs, you just click the remote button. You're looking at a job like I could be working out of New York, technically, even though I'm here in Seattle and just doing all of that remote, which actually for job hunting, that does make it a little bit easier. You have way more options um, when it comes to the type of work you could be doing. Um, Obviously, on the flip side, it's still remote work. If you don't want to be doing remote work after the pandemic, eh, it's a little shit. It's going to might be a little bit more shifty. Mm hmm. I think that's just that's something we can look to is like, you know, it's really hard to find positives to look at in the past year. Right. It's all been a lot of <laughs> doom and gloom. I mean, recently, mm. right. We know that at least in America, the um, the vaccine is going to roll out to like every every adult should be eligible by May 1st if Joey Beeves. Right. Right. So we'll see how that rolls out. But that's maybe the first bit of hope we've gotten in a while. Um, but I've always thought that maybe, you know, if, if there's any other positive thing to come out of this, it's that it has the pandemic has forced us to do what humans do best. And that is, as Bear Grylls would say, adapt, um, survive, and <laughs> to survive, drink yeah. pee, exactly. drink pit. I've drunk. I've drank so much piss this pandemic. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, How many grubs are you eating? Seven. <laughs> I don't know for every day of the week. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's in that we've been forced to turn to our technology now to find how can we how can we get as close to normal as we can while still being safe. And the answer to that has been a lot of solutions that has made teleworking more obviously viable to a larger number of office workers. Um, I mean. Funny enough, I, I decided because, you know, I, I use Google Trends sometimes for work. I decided what do the Google Trends look like for tele for terms like telecommuting and WFH work from home, right? Both of those really low in the past five years. And then all of a sudden in March 2020 fucking spiked. And even now today, 
the the amount of people searching for those things on Google is way higher mm-hmm. than it's ever been in the past five years. I think we're just at this revolution, right? Where working from home is more of a thing that it's something that more people will need to consider because of COVID and post COVID, you know? Yeah. I think um, because of work from home, there's also going to have to be some big changes as far as uh, certain office cultures go. Um, Mm. Because even if you're not in an office, there's still an office culture um, in place, especially in terms of like availability. I think um, a downside of working from home is going to be like the expectation that like, well, where are you? You're you're going to be by a computer because you're going to be home. Um, So you must be available at all times, even if I email you at, you know, 7 p.m. to ask you to start on something or to join a Zoom call or to do this. And it's like, but but work life balance. How do you do that when it's all in the same place? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, too. I think there's definitely going to be an issue of separation between work and home. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Especially if you're living in a city where you don't have a lot of space and, you know, your kitchen table or your desk in your bedroom is like, that's where I do my work. And like, I, I can never leave work. And I've seen people uh, who've talked about how, yeah, I never feel like I'm, I'm leaving work. Like I'm, I'm still getting work emails. I'm still answering them. My productivity has gone up, but I also never am not working in some sense. Yeah. Uh, So you, so you run into that issue because wasn't there a Microsoft study done that said that like during the normal in-office workday, there's actually only four hours of real work being done out of the eight hour day. I believe that's what it was. Like when they were actually in the office. Yeah. So there was a study done saying that like there was four actual, actual meaningful hours of work being done. The other four hours were like getting ready to work or like meetings or talking with coworkers or just kind of blowing off until the day's over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I think that's something that is it, that that's a vector that I think many are going to struggle with, especially for employers that are really skeptical about teleworking is because mm-hmm. they have like there is this inherent assumption of if I can't see you, you're probably just watching Rick and Morty. And yeah. and then like it's only when I ping you that you pretend you're working. You found mm. me out. I have yeah. been watching the same series this whole year, <laughs> over and over. I just I really want to get those nuanced points about pickle rage. Yeah. Yeah. Um I was gonna say that I think I wonder if that translates to a lot of places paying positions salary rather than hourly when it comes to remote work. Uh, in that, you know, it, it's kind of difficult to log hours for hourly pay or how much work you actually did each hour. Instead, you're more so relying on like, hey, did you get task A, B, C and D done today? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're paying you to do. So we're paying you for that service rather than we're paying you by the hour. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? um, so as long as you get your work done, that's what you're getting paid for. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said too about like if you're overall more content working at home, you're going to be more excited to do work when you do. So even if, yeah, sure. you do have an eight hour day at home, but you do actually spend four hours of it watching Rick and Morty or whatever it is you do, I'm willing to bet that again, if work from home life jives with you, those four hours of actual work are going to outperform four hours of work in the office that you would have done. Mm-hmm. Right. And thinking of it logistically too, 
Um, I mean, there's there's getting to and from work, right, which has its own thing, you know, because you, you get to work, it takes you a little bit, maybe a half an hour or so to actually get settled in at your desk, you know, mm-hmm. you have that issue. And then throughout the day, you know, let's assume you work in a cubicle, you have Tommy, Bobby, and and Misty, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, coming up to your, yeah, yeah uh, coming up to your cubicle and be like, hey, Bob, did you get so-and-so thing done? Did you get, did you see the game the other day? Did you... I don't know what did you do last night are you still hung over from the party the night before whatever and so you that negates that is negated working from home you know you don't you don't have anyone bothering you other than on your your slack or your team's chat you know you, yeah. you answer their questions when you get to them mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it's there's going to be a lot of nuance that we're trying to figure out with teleworking i think especially sure. for companies that aren't big tech right because it's really Mm -hmm. only the big tech companies that are really easily embracing this teleworking stuff sure you know at least publicly speaking um i imagine many other companies that are office jobs right now are under the assumption that once everything is quote unquote back to normal whatever the fuck normal means at this point yeah um, really we're all back in the office nine to five just like the good old days baby no none of that teleworking shit Mm. um I like teleworking. Can I telework still, boss? Yeah, I wish. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, I'm hybrid. Hybrid work is the way of the future. It's going to be two days in the office, three days at home, most yeah. of the week for a lot of people. I feel like I've, I have a feeling. That's my prediction. People be flexible because the more because yeah. then you're not going to have situations where it's like, well, I can't find childcare, mm-hmm. um, so I'm literally choosing between my kid and my job, and that's not a good position to put anyone in yeah yeah that oh man that's a whole other can of worms too like what is what does daycare look like and yeah wow but uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of nuance to this topic guys there's a lot Whoa. to talk about it's Complex. a crazy future even even uh covet aside right like let's say you have a sick day right like oh you've got the common cold you don't you're not forced to go into the office and spread the cold or take a day off and you know some cases use your ato sometimes you don't or your pto right yeah um so instead you can just choose i'm gonna keep working from home because i'm not like so delirious that i can't work and also i won't infect people in the office with the the, the flu so win 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 yeah jinx yeah i mean that, that's soda. like if you want to get worked on that day that's that's good but like if you run into an issue where like yeah hey like i'm really sick and it's like well you're working from home anyway why can't you just work yeah i mean there's you gonna know. be balance there right but, right yeah 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 nuance is the key word of the day mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so i want to hear from you guys out there if you're teleworking tell us about it what what is your experience like what do you like about it what do you dislike where do you think we're gonna be in terms of like where people are gonna live in the future what, what what's the next big city for people to live in Ooh. who remote work missoula Missoula Missoula. seems like one of them. Missoula seems like the next town that's probably going to turn into a city because they got all the people living there and it's going to turn into a place that nobody recognizes. Um, And also, what are your uh, onion eating habits? Because we talked about that a lot today. So I'm curious. Send in your onion pics. (laughs) (laughs) Your uh, Outback Steakhouse Bloomin' Onion. Oh, Uh, stop. That sounds good. I love Bloomin' Onions. Uh, Yeah. Teleworking. Tell it tell us how you feel. Let us know your experiences. Excited to hear what you guys read in, if at all. Um, 
Who who's our UK ambassador? I want to hear from him. I want to hear Adam. about Adam. Adam. Tell us, Adam. Adam. Adam, our UK ambassador. I want to hear about teleworking in the UK. That's because we're talking about the the US of A over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but unless you guys have anything else, uh, this has been everything in Potteration. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. You can email us at everythinginpod at gmail.com. You can find us on the socials at everything in pod if you want to write into us there. Um, otherwise, have fun teleworking and have a good productive week. Tomorrow's Friday. So but whatever Friday get, means in the teleworking world. Get lit. Yeah. Happy yeah. hour. <laughs> Several my, my hours favorite, of happy. My favorite video is this dude. He's like going from work to home to home to work when you work remote. And it was just a dude like t- typing on his MacBook. And then he gets up from his chair and then he moves two feet and sits on his couch. <laughs> and that's, that's he's home for the day. That, that, that's that's my Friday. You know, I just realized is happy hour toxic. Because it implies there's only that one hour of the day you could be that's, happy. That's the only happiness you have. Enjoy it. And and find out why in my next book, the problematic uh, problems of happy hour. Yeah, I think it's ironically named because <laughs> By Robert just Scarpinito. airing their grievances about work and how much they hate uh, Tammy and accounting. Sorry, Tammy. Hey, but wow. the appetizers, though. All those, app- onions. Dude, those apps at Applebee's. <laughs> free, free blooming onion happy hour. That's probably <laughs> oh, yeah, been a wait, promotion no, at one point. Be- because millennials, we millennials we ruined Applebee's, so it's got to be a blooming onion. We're coming yes. from, we're coming for Outback Steakhouse next. Oh yeah, <laughs> <I'm> gonna get them. <laughs> coming for you. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Bye.